If you will, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We are going to begin there. We're not going to spend there much time, but uh, we're going to use Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through down to about verse 16 as a springboard for our lesson. I want to ask you, what did you accomplish in 2023? You know, there were, you every year about this time of the year, maybe a couple weeks ago, you sat down and you made your New Year's resolutions. And you know, I saw some funny videos on Facebook and Instagram where they, where people sit down and you know, it was lose five pounds and then they mark out in the lose and it's 15 pounds. And then it's, you know, read the Bible every day and then they mark out every day and it's just read the Bible. And so people kind of look at this year and look back and reflect on last year and say, man, I really didn't do a good job on my New Year's resolution. This year, I'm going to do more in 2024. And that's the title of our sermon this year, this morning, is Doing More in 2024. Last night, I was driving back from Savannah, Tennessee, and while I was driving, I listened to a podcast, and it was talking about seven ways that we sabotage ourselves. And I was like, man, this fits perfectly with my sermon. Because so many people reflect upon the past that they are not able to move forward in the future. And he used this illustration. I thought it was kind of funny. It's very simple, but it's very good. And it's this. Why is the, is the rear view mirror smaller than the windshield? Because where does our attention need to be? Our attention needs to be going forward and not reflected upon those things that are in the past. And when we talk about New Year's resolutions and doing more in 2024, we don't need to need to get upset. We don't need to get angry with ourselves that we were not able to accomplish as much as we wanted to in the year 2023. But yet we need to look forward. We don't need to look in the rearview mirror, but we need to look through the windshield and look forward and say, hey, this is where I am and this is where I'm going. I'm not too worried about what's behind me. Don't sabotage yourself by reflecting on those things which are behind. Look look at Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 12. Paul here is, is talking and he reflects upon his life and he uses his, his illustration to help others. Notice what he says, Not that I have already obtained or I'm already perfect. He, he basically, let me paraphrase in shorter terms there, Hey, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I have on my own flaws. I have my own mistakes. But this one thing I do have right. Notice what he says, I press on that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself apprehended. I'm not perfect, but this one thing I do. I know I've got a lot of flaws in my own life, but this one thing I've gotten right. And what is that, Paul? He says, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And then notice verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we want to do more in 2024, we cannot worry about what happened in 2023. We cannot have to worry about what happened in the past. Another way that we can sabotage ourselves is not only just worrying about living in the past, but on, but also staying in the past. Well, but, you know, in reflecting upon the past, you know, many preachers I've talked to said, well, back 10, 15, 20 years ago, or back in the 70s, 60s, we had these great tent meetings and we had these great things. We can't worry about those things. We got to worry about the future and we got to forget those things of the past, whether they are good 
or whether they are bad because we cannot live in past accomplishments. We cannot live in past failures. we got to look through the windshield and let those things that are behind, behind us and press forward to the mark. So this morning we're going to talk about doing more in 2024. Now I'm going to say this. This is not my sermon. Okay? Now the introduction I made my own, but... Uh, I was out in Texas a few weeks ago, and Brother Wade Webster was the preacher there, and he actually preached this sermon. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due, but I thought it was just so good that I was like, I'm going to preach that at Wado, because what I told him as soon as he got done preaching it, and he said, of course, that I could. But when you look at the word more through the book of Acts, it appears four times in Scripture in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts, of course, is that history book that tells us about the establishment of the New Testament church and the growth thereof. And so if we're going to be like they were, we need to do what they did so that we can continue to strive to be that New Testament church that He wants us to be. So this first occurrence of the word more in the book of Acts can be found in Acts chapter 4. So go go with me in your Bibles there. Acts chapter 4, and let's look at verse number 18 down through verse number 20, maybe even verse 22. So here it is in verse 18 of Acts chapter 4. He says, So they called them and commanded them that they do not speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. So here they are. They're out preaching the good news of Jesus. They are doing it boldly as we can see in Acts chapter 3. And here the law, here the law people, the police we might say, come to them and say, Hey, we are commanding you. You better stop preaching it. And if you don't stop preaching it, we're going to throw you in jail. So look at verse 21. Or verse 19, excuse me. But Peter and John answering them said this, notice this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. So basically they said, hey, you can say whatever you want to, but we're going to listen to God more than we're going to listen to you. Then you look at verse number 20, for we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. It is a fire in our bones, and because it is a fire in our bones, guess what's going to flow forth from our heart? It's going to flow forth the Word of God. It's in us. It's something that we cannot keep within us, and therefore, since we cannot keep it within us, it is going to come out. So one thing that we can do more in 2024 is listen to God more. Can we listen to God more in 2024? Absolutely. We are commanded to listen to God more. You go... To Acts chapter uh, 5 and verse number uh, 29, but he says we ought to obey God rather than man. And since we are to obey God rather than man, what are we supposed to do? We need to be listening to God more than we listen to man. You know, in Matthew chapter 17, there where Jesus appears on the mountain of transfiguration and, and that transfiguration happens, you know, Peter, of course, opens up his mouth and he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. But what does that voice from heaven come down and say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Now, when you look at that, and in that context, he's saying, hey, we don't need to listen to Moses anymore. We don't need to listen to Elijah anymore because they represent the Old Testament system, that Old Testament system that was nailed to the cross, that we live under a better system now, Hebrews 7 and verse number 22. And since we listen to a better covenant that is established upon better promises, we need to listen to Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 17 
For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We need to listen to Jesus more than anyone else in His inspired Word. We need to listen to Jesus. We need to listen to what He has to to say. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3 before we move to our next point. Hebrews chapter 3. And to, to notice this point about listening to Jesus. I think there's a lot of passages that we could go to about the shepherd knows his voice, you know, and the sheep follow him and how that we can, we need to listen to Jesus and be able to identify his voice. But look here at Hebrews chapter 3 beginning in verse number 7. He says, therefore as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, what are we going to do? Do not harden your hearts as is rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with the generation and said, They're always, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they should enter into my rest. So here he says, hey, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of of God. Look at verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you that are evil heart, unbelieving, departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold, hold the beginning of the confidence that steadfast in. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden in your hearts as is in the rebellion. So here in this text, as we look at Hebrews chapter 3, you see this, this phrase twice. Listen to His voice. Listen to His voice. We need to listen to God as He talks to us through the inspiration of Scriptures because that is how He talks to us today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. We'll have more to say about that here in a second. So number one, what can we do more in 2024? We can listen to God more. Listen to His voice. Number two can be found in Acts chapter 9. Now, if you go over to Acts chapter 9, if if you go up to uh, most people and you say, tell me what Acts chapter 9 is about. They're going to say the conversion of Saul. How that this man was on the road to Damascus. He was walking down the road. He He was struck blind. He had this conversation with God, and or Jesus rather, he talks to Jesus and he says, what do you want me to do? And he said, go into the city and there it will be told what you need to do. And so he meets this preacher Ananias and Ananias uh, tells him that he needs to arise and to be baptized to wash away his sins so that he can call on the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse number 16. But we can see that in Acts chapter 9 and verse 18 as well that he immediately was baptized. But what happens after the conversion of Saul? Look, look at verse number 20 of Acts 19. He says, Immediately he preached that Christ is the synagogue, that He is the Son of God. What can we do more in 2024? We can preach more, and we'll talk more about that here in a second. Then all who heard it was amazed and said, Is, the, is not He who destroyed, who called the name of Jerusalem, and He has come here for that purpose, so that He might bring them bound, to the chief priest. So these people are like amazed. They're stunned. Hey, isn't this the guy that, that made havoc? If you go back to Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he was making havoc of the church. He was literally dragging Christians, persecuting them out into the streets. 
Is, isn't that why He has come here? They're amazed that He has changed. But look at verse 22. But Saul, this man that was killing Christians, that were persecuting, that became a New Testament Christian, increased in all, circle it, the more in strength. What can we do more in 2024? We can fellowship with the saints more. Yes, we need to listen to God more. But number two, we need to fellowship with the saints more. Why do we need to fellowship with the saints more? Look at what happened to Saul. Saul is a new babe in Christ. He is a new creature. He has put those old things away. And what does he do? He goes and preaches the gospel. But more importantly, he has increased in the more strength. Why? Because he was with other Christians. It's funny how I listened to this podcast yesterday and so many of those lessons can be applied in, in this lesson today and I'm going to use this as an illustration. He talks about what is your internal temperature. You know, we're in a building that is very warm right now, but if you go outside of these walls, what are you going to be? You're going to be cold because the, the, this building has a controlled temperature, but if you allow those outside things to enforce here, what's going to happen? It's going to drop the temperature. Opposite during the summer. It's cooler in here, hotter out there. But we get to control our internal temperature. And many times what happens is we have an internal temperature that's within all of us. But you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to be kind of a slacker. I'm not going to do as much. So I hang out with people that have an internal temperature lower than me. And what they do is bring me down. But the opposite is true. If I have, if I hang out with people that have an internal temperature, that they're a, a very hard worker, they're one that's dedicated to the cause of Christ, and I'm around people that are really focused on the things that we need to be focused on, guess what that's going to do to my internal temperature? It's going to raise it. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. But, and what does that mean? If I hang around people that have bad morals, that, that are evil companions, they, they're not doing the right things, that's going to lower my spiritual temperature. But if I want to raise my spiritual temperature, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fellowship with people that have the same like-mindedness. I'm going to fellowship with people that are better than me. That way I am increasing my spiritual internal temperature. What is What can we do to help those who are new babes in Christ, we need to fellowship with the saints more. If evil companions corrupt good morals, then what does good moral do? What does good companions do? They increase and build up good morals. I was talking to a new Christian yesterday at this conference that I was at at Evangelism University, and he he worked with house to house for just a short period of time and um, during as an internship during the summer. Anyways, he he's a fairly new Christian. And he was taught he was speaking on this. This conference. And so he, I said something about I said, Taylor, tell me about your conversion. And he was saying, you know, I, I just started working at this place and this girl invited me. She wasn't even a member. She just said she was going to start going to church. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start going to church. And the preacher studied with me and I became a Christian. I said, that's really cool. He said, the coolest thing was I saw that you could have fun and not have to do those, all those things of the world. I was like, that is so true. Because why? We need to fellowship with the saints more so that we can build one another up. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 
we see this as the beginning of the church. The church is established. People are becoming Christians. And you look at verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and notice this, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. What did the early church do that they grew? They fellowshiped one with another. They, they had a common meal together. Go down to verse number 46. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. If we want to be more in 2024, something we are going to do is fellowship with other saints more. We're going to fellowship with the brethren more. We look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25 about how that we do not, do not need to forsake the assembly of the selves as, as some of them were. Why? If you go back up to number 24, it's because of the edification, because of the building up of one another. When you are not here, guess what you're missing? You're missing that edification. You're missing the building up. You're missing building up your spiritual temperature so that you can be more in 2024. Go with me now to Acts chapter 17. Number one, we can be more in 2024 by listening to God more than man. We can be more in 2024 by fellowshipping with other saints. But number three, we can be more in 2024 by studying our Bibles more. Notice what Acts 17 and verse number 11 says. These were more, there's your word that we're looking for, fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? In which they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things are so. The word there for search is like a swift. I, I, have you ever seen somebody, maybe it was their first time to church, and, or maybe you're talking with them and they swift through the Word of God, what are they doing? They're turning to every single Scripture. Why? Because they want to search it out. They want to see if the things that the preacher is saying is backed up with the Word of God. And that's what we believe in. That's what we practice and teach, is that we need to preach and teach the Word of God more. We need to search the Scriptures Daily, We need to be more in 2024 by studying and listening to God more. Go over to Acts chapter 20 and verse number 32. He says, So now therefore, brethren, I command you to God and to the word of His grace. What is the purpose of the word of God? Notice this. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Friends, we, we, need, we need our brethren, yes. But we need to rely upon the word of God. It can build us up. There are so many riches and, and truths that we can find in the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling the Word of truth. Also 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13, there he said in verse 12, Let no one look down on you because you are young. But look at verse 13, Till I come... Paul, or Timothy, I'm going to leave you for a little bit, Paul said. Until I come back, I want you to give attention. I want you to pay attention to some things. He says, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. And look down at verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself entirely to them that you may progress and may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save yourself and those that hear you. We need to study the Word of God more in 2024. Now I want to ask you this. You, you might read the Bible. You might study the Bible. 
but how can you get more out of your Bible study in 2024? I'm going to give you a few tips that might help you, that's helped me over the last six months. So for the last six months, I've been coming up with a plan of how I can study the Bible more and get the more out of my Bible reading. And so what I have come up with, and I'm going to share these tips with you, is have a marking system for your Bible. I, have, I always carry three pens on the front of my Bible. Because that I, I've always been bad about, man, I'm going to put that note in my Bible if the preacher says something, or, or I'm going to put that later and then I forget. So I just attach them to the front of my Bibles. I'm very picky about what, what pens I use in my Bible. I only use these three, red, blue, and black. Black is any kind of just very vague note. Maybe it may, it's a meaning of a word. Maybe it's the definition of a word in the original language. Maybe it's just a little quote about that verse. It's just something that, that's not very, very important, but I just think it's important enough to put in my Bible. So if, if it's black, it's a note that I need to, to remember. I use the blue one for points. So if I'm, if I'm writing a sermon from a t- particular verse or maybe I'm listening to a sermon and the preacher's preaching from one text or one verse and they come, they give me four points from that verse, I write it in blue. And I put one, two, three, four, and it's in blue. And those are my sermon outlines. Those are my points of application to remember from that one verse or whatever it might be. And I use red for cross-references or fulfillments from the Scripture. So like if I'm here in Acts 20 and verse number 35... Or uh, excuse me, verse number uh, 32, and it talks about how that we need to, uh, and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. I might put Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen in red to cross reference that over to another scripture, or maybe it's something that is fulfilled in the Old Testament, like the birth of Jesus. I might put Isaiah chapter seven and verse fourteen, showing that that scripture is fulfilled here. And so I have a method now to my, to my madness and marking. Most of the time, if you look at my old Bibles, it's just marking and all kinds of different things. There's no color code. Now, that's just, that's just what I write in pen. Now I have another one for my highlighting system. And this has just helped me because now I, I, I know. Is I, 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 don't, I don't believe in highlighters, by the way. Because they bleed through, they mess up your paper. But I do believe in crayolable, twistable crayons. Okay, that is that is the way to mark up in your Bible because it doesn't bleed through. They 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 they're perfect. If you want to look at my Bible, I'll show you some. But I, I've been using several different colors, three three mainly. Number one, I've been using brown for any, especially as I've been studying the Old Testament, First Kings. I use brown to help me see people that are important, places that are important. Or things that are important. Basically any kind of noun that I need to emphasize from that text. I don't highlight every single one. Just the important ones that I think are important. From that text I highlight in brown. So I can easily see. Okay we're talking about Solomon. He's talking to this king here. Talking about this place. I can easily see that and identify that. I use yellow as the big picture concepts. There in 1 Kings Chapter 3, when Solomon asked God for wisdom, that's in yellow. Because that's the big picture that I want to see from 1 Kings chapter 3. And then I use blue for repeated words. Like the book, like when in, or yellow, I kind of mix those two together. Um, but any kind of repeated phrase or word, I put in blue. So like if you go to the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, you're going to see the word vanity and vexation of the Spirit highlighted over and over again. If you go to the book of Philippians, you're going to see the word joy 
or rejoice over and over again, highlighted in a certain color. So that lets me know what? That was what? That is the point of that book. So I want you, how can you get more out of your Bible study? Have a system. Have, have, a, have a method. Have something that you can do that will help you get it more out of it. Don't just read the Bible to read the Bible. But look to get more out of your Bible study. Have a place. I think I've gone over this before. Have a place. Have a time. Have a routine that you can get in so that you will be ready to focus on the Word of God. Lastly and finally, what can I do more in 2024? Teach the way of God to others more. Teach the way of God to others more. Look at Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse number 24. There was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. I would, un- I, just for illustration purposes, I would highlight, I don't have it now because I haven't gotten this part yet, but Apollos would be highlighted brown, Alexandria would be uh, brown, Jew would be brown. An eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. I would highlight that brown because that lets me know where the, this context is taking place. This man being instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. I would, I would circle the word baptism of John because why? That's what he was teaching. That was what he was going out telling people about. Now look at verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogues when he, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to God Excuse me, explain the way of God, circle it, more accurately. What can I do more in 2024? I can explain the way of God more accurately. Here this man is, he is teaching and preaching the baptism of John, which was something that is a forerunner, something to lead the way to Christ. And they, he was not teaching it correctly or, or accurately. So what he did was he taught, took them aside, this couple, and explained the way of God more accurately. I find it interesting here that, that they did not publicly shame him. They didn't call him out from the pulpit. They didn't, they didn't say, hey, you're wrong, and to start, to start a public discussion. But rather, they pulled him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. Who can you pull to the side, so to speak? Who in your life do you come in contact with every day that you need to explain the way of God more accurately? Who do you need to teach this year? Who is somebody that you can bring to the Lord in 2024? Who is it that you want to become a New Testament Christian this year so that they can enjoy being a Christian? Of course, there was some of those as Paul came to Ephesus that he had to reteach because they were not baptized for the correct reasons there in Acts chapter 19. You see there in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Could you, could you imagine that? that? That the early church here, here they are, and what's the only thing that they know to do? Going everywhere preaching and teaching the word of God. If we want to do more in 2024, we're going to do what they did and that is, number one, they listened to God more. Number two, they fellowship with their saints more. Number three, they studied their Bibles more. 
And number four, they taught people the way of the Lord more accurately. If we, if we want to be a growing church, if we, if, if we want to be able to, to keep doing the things of God, we're going to do those four things. We're going to listen to God more than man. We're going to fellowship with the saints more. We're going to study our Bibles more because we're going to be based on the Bible. We're going to know what the Bible says. We're going to defend what the Bible says. But we're going to bring more souls to Christ because we want them to enjoy the salvation that is offered in Christ. Let's, let's, let's close with one more verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And notice what he says, A servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but gentle, and notice this, able to teach in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, and that's exactly what these people did in Acts chapter 18. They, they corrected those who were in opposition, those were, who were opposed or not teaching correctly the, the ways of, of the Lord, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And then look at verse number 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snares of the devil have been taken captive to him to do his will. Who are you going to snatch or who are you going to escape from the snares of the devil? You know, we have the truth. We have the Bible that leads us to God's plan of salvation. But what are you going to do more in 2024? Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I, I didn't do anything in 2023. But what are you going to do about 2024? How can you do more this year? Maybe your first step is to become a Christian. You can do more in 2024 by joining the Lord's army. And that is by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. By confessing the sweet name of Jesus, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. By repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3. And then being buried in water and grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. To have your sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. Be in Christ, Galatians 3, 6 and 7, or 26 and 27, and to contact the precious blood of Jesus, Romans 6, 3 and 4. And that's the point in which your sins are washed away. But maybe you need the prayers of the church. Maybe you need to confess sin in your life. You can do that this morning by confessing your faults one to another. And God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins, James chapter 5. If we can help you this morning, come now as together we stand and sing the song of encouragement.